Amen. Praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters, let's begin in our base text. We are in the book of Psalms. We are in the 27th number, and we are going to start with verse number one. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Amen. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desire of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. Praise God for his word. Nothing quite like God's word. We're still dealing with this concept of uh, biblical beauty. And if you haven't guessed it, we're on the fifth lesson actually in this. Um, and uh, it's a pretty big topic. It's a there's, there's quite a bit to say and quite a bit to know about this. And that's the one thing that I love about God's word is, is when I'm studying the word, um, you know, uh, many times I think, oh, well, this is going to be over, uh, over an instant or, or it's not going to be that long. But once you get into God's word, it just keeps going and going and going. And one of the things that we, uh, you know, that we said, and I hopefully that you guys have uh, kept in remembrance or in, um, or in mind of, and that is that we're not in a rush, okay? Many times, if, if, you, if you're looking for a Bible study where you're going to just run through the scripture and hurry up and get to the cliche part and all kind of stuff, we're not interested in any of that. No, that's not going to help. That's not going to help you. That's not going to get us anywhere. No, we want the word of God. We want to know what God is saying. We want to know what God's will is and what God's plan is. So we take our time with that. We're in the B portion of Psalms 27 and 4 which says to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. So that's what we're working on, that B portion. And we've been in that for, uh, for a moment now, okay, as we dealt with that. And we learned that, um, that to behold uh, means to see or to look, um, to perceive with attention or to direct one's gaze. For those of you who are um, who are looking at it on the screen, you ought to see that um, popping up. And what we learned about all of this, man, is that David was that that David wasn't just saying, I really want to just look at this. We said this over the last couple of weeks. That wasn't his goal. That wasn't his intent, brothers and sisters. But what David was really wanting to um, express um, is that I really want to I want to deep dive into this. I want to get all the way down as far i want to be submerged in this submersed in in this this beauty of the lord it goes beyond just looking at it i want to really get into it and the thing that we've said in the past and and you know you really just can't say it enough is uh is is that it really gives us a moment to uh to take a to take a look and examine what our motive is because when we start dealing with um, godly goals. And remember, that's what we started out with. And now we're all the way on to the other side of that thing. But when we started out 
talking about godly godly goals we learned a lot of information but then we got to this other side of it and that first step um, in dealing with the other side tackle just right on head on our motive because your motive matters because it is and i'm going to say it again it is the difference your motive is the difference between whether or not god is going to be checked in or god is going to be checked out and since our blessings and, and, and benefits and all these things are sourced from our Lord, we can't afford to have God checked out. Brothers and sisters, you, you can't, you, you, you and I, it just cannot have a situation where, where the very thing, the success of the very thing that we're trying to go after not hinges on God, but at the same time, God is checked out. That, that is just utterly... Uh, that's an utter bad situation to be in. Success, it hinges on God. So we need God, for, for, you know, front line and center. But at the same time, because our motive is wrong, God is checked out. That's bad because it means that we have a goal. We have a mission. We have something we're trying to do that absolutely is not going to get done. You can't, the things that God, that require God to do, brothers and sisters, you can't do them without God. And we've, gone, and we've got to stop putting ourselves in those situations where God is checked out of what we really need him to be checked in. And so often it's a shame the reason why God is checked out because many times the reason why is because our heart and our mind and our motive is wrong. So we learn all of that, okay? We talked about um, different types of beauty and we said that the scripture, amen, the scripture deals with different types of beauty okay it doesn't shy away from it okay but it deals with it tackles it head on and so far let's take a look at some of the things that we learned about this we learned uh one type of beauty uh we learned about was the nature or natural beauty amen okay and there's plenty of you know we, there's plenty of scriptures for us you can i mean you, you can't read, really read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, without running into scriptures that talk about um, nature's beauty um, or what God has done. You, 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 you just, you read long enough, you're going to run right into it. So we learned about that, that natural um, beauty. We learned about these, um, these different things. And then we learned about human beauty, and that's really where we are. Um, and there is, and we, and we, and um, and this is worth the, the time that we're spending on it because this is where a lot of people get sidetracked, brothers and sisters, right here, dealing with this. So we got natural beauty or the beauty of nature. Amen. Praise God for that. But then we started getting into human beauty because the Bible does deal with that. And the Bible has something to say on that. Okay. When we start dealing with uh, human beauty, we're talking about the beauty uh, of a of a man or a or a woman just in just straight up with nothing else added to it. But then the Bible also talks about cosmetic beauty. Okay, so the Bible doesn't shy away from that. We talked about that. These are the different. These are some of the different types of beauty. And brothers and sisters, this is not. Uh, uh, I think I said it before. It's not meant to be exhaustive, but I am trying to cover some of the key. Um, um, cornerstone principles, so to speak, of beauty, the things that you really need to know. If you don't know anything else, if you don't know every single, every nuanced um, discussion or everything the Bible says on beauty, that's fine. That is totally okay. Don't worry about it. Don't beat yourself up over that. 
Don't let somebody else beat themselves up. You don't, you know, God didn't call you to be no encyclopedia. Okay. But you do need to know about a unique, you do need to know about those principles, those basics. Okay. Those things that will keep you and I going in the right direction. Okay. And when it comes to uh, beauty, uh, many people are surprised that the Bible does deal with cosmetic beauty. Now, because of the, the age that we live in today, cosmetic beauty is, uh, is generally referred to um, or thought of as simply that of makeup. Okay. That's what um, uh, would be considered cosmetic. I think I told you in one lesson that the cosmetic industry is about us. I think last I checked was almost like a $65 billion uh, industry. Okay. So the world <laughs> trust me, the world can stand to be educated on the concept of beauty from God's perspective, because the world, if they spending that much money, trust me, the world thinks they already have an understanding and there is an understanding from a world perspective, but we are called, but we're not of this world. Amen. We in this world, but we are not of this world. So our thinking, our mindsets has got to elevate brothers and sisters. If you want to grow in God, you got to get your mind out of the gutter. You got to get your, and that don't mean thinking about just uh, illicit things. No, no, no. Thinking below what God has given us as the standard is having a mindset that is in the gutter. You're thinking way too low when we adopt, I'm thinking way too low when I simply hook, line, and sinker, um, just, uh, just adopt the mindset and the concepts of the world. No, God's ways are not our, are not our ways. And I'm going to say it again. God's ways are not our ways. They are not one for one. You cannot take what this world thinks and then simply go apply that to God and assume that God is like you. Hold on. The Bible said God is not a man. Oh, I'm, I hope some, I got Bible studiers uh, listening to this. God is not a man. That's what the Bible says. He is a spirit. And you got to understand God's ways are not our ways. And the worst mistake, one of the most tragic mistakes that we make as a human family is, is that we take God and we put him on our level, meaning we attribute to God our thoughts and our ways. No, God's ways are not yours and my ways. It's different. And the Bible plainly, plainly deals with that. When the Bible talks about this um, cosmetic beauty, brothers and sisters, okay, when the Bible deals uh, with uh, the cosmetic beauty, all right, keep in mind that cosmetic beauty from the biblical standpoint is not just makeup, but it is also the garments or the apparel. So anything that is used to beautify, okay, anything that is used um, that human beings at times use to make themselves more beautiful or enhance themselves, that falls under the category of cosmetic. So it's not just, it's not restrictive or as restrictive as the definition sometimes can be, um, you know, depending on who you talk to in today's modern times. Now, in regard to cosmic, cosmetic beauty, we learn that human beings at times, they use cosmetics, okay? And they did this at times to make themselves more beautiful and to spruce themselves up or whatever you want to call that. They use these things to enhance themselves. And I gave you uh, some scriptures uh, for that. Um, you got Ezekiel 16 and 18. Um, you got Isaiah uh, 3 and 18 through 24. You also have Esther 2, chapter 2, 
verses two through three. You got Esther chapter two, verse nine. You got Ezekiel seven and 20. And brothers and sisters, I hope that these scriptures, you read these scriptures, please, please, please don't, 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 don't skip out on that. You need to know that you need to see it from the biblical perspective. Because when I'm talking to you about this cosmetic beauty, or when I'm, as I'm talking about these aspects of human, of human beauty, you need to know what the word of God says. We're not going over every single scripture on this or, or, or reading every single scripture, but it is your responsibility to make sure that you are reading, that you take these scriptures and you get in there. Why? Because you're going to, it's going to reveal some things to you. Okay. It's going to show you some things. Okay. As, in, as it regards human beauty. Now, there are two types of cosmetics seen in the scripture, all right? Two types of things that are used to kind of uh, enhance. People use to kind of to spruce themselves up. Number one, the traditional and socially acceptable form of cosmetic, okay? What was okay? What was accepted? What, 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 what was that about? What, what, what type of cosmetic was that? Well, the acceptable form of cosmetic was that of clothing. So it would have been apparel and it would have been, and this would have included jewelry and those things as well. So it would have been the things that a person, amen, is able to put on, okay? Now, this is the only type of cosmetic. Scripture shows that at times God was okay with, amen. This is the only only type, and I want you to make sure you have that in mind and you keep that in mind. This was the only type that God had okay was was okay with. Ezekiel 16, 8 through 13. Bible says this: Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Now, I'm getting ready to read the rest, but I want to tell you something. Keep in mind, number one, God is talking here, okay? This ain't man. This is not a man. This is God talking. The prophet is recording this. Ezekiel is recording this, but this is God talking. Now, the other thing that I also want you to keep in mind, because we brought this out, okay, that that oftentimes the word of God, God uses pictures or uses earthly things to illustrate what's going on in heaven. In the New Testament, we find this, and sometimes in the Old Testament, we know this, these stories, so to speak, as parables, okay? But God didn't always use or just simple, simply, simple parables, okay? He all, there are other illustrations, earthly illustrations that God used to, to highlight heavenly principles. Okay. And they did not fall under the category of a parable. They were not parabolic in nature. Okay. Amen. And these are things you need to know. And one of the things that one of the God's, uh, one of the, uh, um, the, uh, seemingly God's favorite descriptions or descriptions or, or uh, uh, description of his people is, is that the church of God or God's people are often associated with the female gender. Okay. Amen. God often used the picture of a woman to describe the place of 
or the, or the, 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 the place of his church or, or how he views his church, man. After all, the church is considered the bride of Christ. That Bible teaches that all day long. Amen. And so many times the, 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 the female or the woman is used as the picture, okay, as the earthly picture of this spiritual concept that God is getting ready to get across. Amen. Amen. And God will often do that. And so he does that same thing. Verse number nine, then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee and I anointed thee with oil. Keep in mind, this is God talking here. I clothed thee also with what? Broidered work and shod thee with what? Badger skin. And I girded thee about with fine linen and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments and I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain upon thy neck. And I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thy head. And I love that crown because that actually refers to a, uh, a covering, not just uh, any type of, um, whether royal or, 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 or otherwise. I love that. In verse uh, 13, thus wast thou decked with gold and silver and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk embroidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil and thou was exceeding beautiful and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. Amen. So you see how God is describing that and he's, and he's using the description of a woman and him being the one that is providing all of these different things. Now, let me preface this for somebody to start going off rails and getting all off it. Oh, I can do all, uh-uh. No, you keep reading and going into it. Then you start to find, the uh, start reading about the problem, what ended up happening after the aftermath. So we see God at being okay with it or providing it, but then at true to form, man, goes right off the rails and you read this in many of the other scriptures. And before you know it, the very thing that God gave, God, God got to take away. Why? Because man, true form, goes sideways. He's doing all right at first, but then that pride and that arrogance gets into his heart and all of these things. But this is the only form that you see in the Bible of what God is okay with. Now, notice what you don't see in that. You don't see anything about any makeup. You don't see any of that at all. Amen. The traditional and social, that was the traditional and the socially acceptable form of cosmetic. Now, the traditional and socially unacceptable form of cosmetic was uh, that which was applied to the face. Amen. Note that this wouldn't this included eye paint or makeup, and you can read that um, in Second Kings chapter nine, verses thirty through thirty-seven. You got Jeremiah chapter four, uh, verse thirty. You got Ezekiel chapter twenty-three, forty through forty-nine. Okay, now this was, which was the, um, and, and the reason why this was unacceptable is because you got to understand, remember, we covered this, that makeup and those, and that sort of thing was associated, was a practice that was associated with, with uh, prostitution or harlotry. So you're never going to find no part in scripture where God is okay with that type of cosmetic. You don't see that. And I know this is, I know this is hard teaching. I know this is difficult teaching, especially for, you know, for our, uh, for our ladies at times. Why? Because we live in a society where everybody does that. Everybody, they're, they're all wearing all of those different things, but it is something to be said from knowing what God's intent was or what God's plan was. The world will always do stuff different than what God does, 
But brothers and sisters, the, the challenge is, is whose way you going to accept? What you going to do? Are you going to do it God's way or are you going to do it the world's way? The world is going to always have a counterbalance or a counterpoint for everything that God does. For every genuine article that is God's, there is a counterfeit, brothers and sisters. And so you have to decide because God is not going to force you to do that. God's not going to force you to do that. But you have to decide that when it comes to being holy and walk, what image do I want to portray? And it's not just women, men as well, when it comes to the things that men do, it doesn't matter what it is. We all have to decide what level are we going to go? Are we going to do a little bit of God's and a little bit of the world? Are we going to do all of the world and none of God? Or are we going to do all of God and none of the world? We have to decide that. Now, God's preference is that you do all of his and none of the world. That's the preferred one. I'm going to put that out there so that you, you understand that. Amen. Jeremiah, amen, uh, 4 and 30. Let's read that. And when thou art spoiled, what wilt thou do? Thou clothest thyself with crimson. So you're dressing in red. <laughs> oh, look at this. You're going to clothe yourself with crimson. Though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold, that though thou rentest thy face with painting, in vain shalt thou make thyself fair or beautiful. Is what they, thy lovers will despise thee. They will seek thy life. Talking, dealing with all these things. Look at all, look at what the Bible, the Bible is, is God, he, 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 he spells out what he likes and what he doesn't like. Now, the interesting thing in verse, in, in Jeremiah 4 and 30, I want you to understand this, is, is that he describes the painting of the face as a renting of the face, right? Amen. Which means, and for those of you who are looking at this, the definition of that, it really, it means to enlarge, okay? It means to make larger or to open oneself wide. It means to make wide um, or to make oneself extensive. It means to make spacious. It means also to rip out, to rip or cut or tear to pieces. Uh, it means to spread out. It means to spread abroad, means to scatter around or to tear away. And, and what's interesting about this, want you to get and understand, is that the root word that this is derived from, that these meanings kind of derive from, means to cause to change. So at the root of all of this, of those definitions, those words that I gave you, is the concept or the root concept, meaning that of or of causing to change or to cause to change, to make something different or to cause a transformation. So when the Bible is talking about to enlarge, when he says to, to rent, it's talking about in the sense of building on or adding on or adding something that was not there. That is what it means. Okay. So when he says, though thou rentest thy face with painting, notice what he says. We think it, the world says it look good. Oh, all that makeup, all these different things look good. And this is not a witch hunt on, uh, on makeup and all that other kind of stuff. But we got to know what the Bible says. We got to know this. Because to, you know, because to know better and then to yield to the spirit is to do better. Notice, to know better and do it on your own, that don't necessarily mean you're going to do better. But if you yield to the spirit, you'll do better. Not only will you know better, you will do better. Amen. So it means to enlarge. It means, and the root of this thing is to change. So the way God sees the painting of the face, as God sees that as a renovation, so to speak, or God sees it as you changing what he did. 
then that's why God got a problem with it. That's why it's not, that's another why it's not looked upon as favorable because it's a changing of what God did. Psalms 139 tells us that we are fearfully and what? Wonderfully made. Amen. I invite you to read that. God made you according to his specification. And so when it comes to that, it, it's, it's this, this socially unacceptable form of cosmetic would have been that of uh, the makeup that was socially unacceptable. One, because it was associated with harlotry and prostitution. That's, a, that's one thing, but also because in God's eyes, it is a change. It is the attempt to change or add to what he already did. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but, but God is very particular. In fact, in, from, in Genesis, you learn this and you read this in, in, in Revelation. God is very, God got a problem with people who change what he does. So much so that when it comes even to the word of God, the Bible pronounces a curse. You read about that in Genesis and you read about that in, in Revelation. Bible opens and closes with that. Don't change it. God says, don't change what I did. Don't, don't change it. God said, I got it just the way I want it. God says, I have you just the way that I want you. Don't change nothing. Don't change anything. God often has a problem with people who change what he does. Amen. They change the truth of God into a lie. God got a problem with that, brothers and sisters. God has a problem with that. And many times what we have not known, remember, this is about learning God's perspective. The world's perspective says, hey, you know what? Everybody does that. And it ain't nothing wrong with that. Go ahead and, and throw a little of this on, a little of that on, and you get what you have. But, but, but what does God say about it? How does God actually see about it? So the decision is yours. For the, our ladies who are listening, when it comes to wearing that makeup and all that other kind of stuff, the decision comes down to you. But what I always invite you to do is make a decision that's after God's word. What does God say? I can't make what God says important to you. You got to do that. You got to do that. That's why if you, you ain't gonna catch me jumping out of the trash can and out of the bushes trying to see if you putting on makeup and what you're doing and, and, and the makeup. No, I'm nobody about to be the makeup police. Nobody's about to do it. Nobody has time for that. Nobody has time for that. But you need to understand something. God is watching and it is up to you to decide. And no matter what it is for men, when it comes to the things that pertain to us, whatever those, whatever those things are, God is the one that's watching. God is the one that is watching. And the things that we do, brothers and sisters, got to be to the glory of God. Whatever we do should be to God's glory. Now, here's the thing. You cannot do unto God that which, you know, you can't give God the glory in what you do if the things that you do are contrary to the word of God. In other words, you cannot take a worldly thing and put a spiritual spin on it. Uh-uh. That's still worldliness. That is still worldliness. You cannot take a worldly thing, put a holy gloss on it, and then hand it to God and say, God, here it is. I did this in your honor. God said, I don't want it. No, no. God, so much so that God outlined what he wants. Amen. Now, when it comes to the physical side of beauty, brothers and sisters, especially that of humanity, the scriptures on many, many, many occasions, it warns us about this, okay? 
it warns us, lets us know there's some dangers inherent about this. Okay. And you got to be careful when you start paying attention to all this other kind of stuff. Remember that when you start focusing on, on the, you know, on the creation rather than the creator, you're getting ready to mess up. I'm getting ready to mess up. I'm, I, I mean, I'm knocking on, I'm, I'm, I'm begging to be, to be, to, to be messed up. When I put my attention on the creation rather than the creator. Amen. We learned that the focus on the, uh, that a focus on those external forms. Amen. We learned that a focus on those external forms. Okay. When we focus on those external forms of beauty, that they have the opportunity or they have, um, they have the, um, they have the, 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 uh, 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 the tendency or of causing us to walk in the area of lust and in the area of pride. Amen. And so we got to be careful. We got to be careful when we start dealing with these things because they absolutely can lead us into uh, pride and lead us into lust. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 6, 25 to 26. Bible says, lust not after her beauty uh, in thine heart, neither let um, her take thee with her eyelids. And I told you that that's not talking about just, that's not saying her, that she blinking. No, 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 no. That's, that's a reference to a woman who has painted up her eyes. We're talking about makeup. And, and she's using that as a form of seduction or enticement. That's what he means, to take thee with her eyes, seducing you. That's what that means. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. You got Ezekiel 28, 17, thine heart was lifted up because of thine beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that thou may behold, that they may behold thee. That is a reference also to, um, there's a double reference there on the one hand that is also referring to the fall of Satan and, the, and, and, and how he fell. But then also on the other hand, there is application for us as well. Notice what he said, because of thy beauty, thou hast corrupted thy wisdom. What that means, because of the way you look, getting caught up on the external, you can't make sound decisions. That's literally what he said. You so caught up on yourself, you can't even think straight. And brothers and sisters, you'll be surprised. There are a whole lot of people that are so caught up on themselves, not just the beauty and, 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 and various aspects of themselves. They are so enamored with themselves. They are so taken with themselves that they can't even think straight. They can't even make good decisions. Not at all. And then we also have, uh, we also have Genesis um, chapter 12, verse 11 through 12. And when it, and when it came to pass, when he was come near, enter into Egypt. And he said unto Sarai, why? Behold, now I know that thou art a fair or beautiful woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass. When the Egyptians shall see thee, they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Look at all that pride and lust and all these different things and what it can lead and what it can lead to. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 39. Uh, verse seven, and it came to pass after the after these things that his mother, that his master's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, "Lie with me." That means she lusted after him. That means she got caught up in all of that external, and she couldn't even think straight. She's married, and now she won't. She won't. The, the, her 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 husband's uh, servant 
the servant of the household, she, want, she wants him to help her commit adultery. She wants him to commit fornication because Joseph's not married. But she is married. And so she wants to entice him to commit adultery. See, that's what lust and when it's unchecked and unbridled and all of these different things, you got to be careful of all of these types of things. And so, and then you have 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 4, and you've got Ezekiel um, 23, 23 and 12. Now, extreme caution, brothers and sisters, and self-examination of our hearts and our minds. This, is all, this, this has to always, this has to always be exercised by us. We got to always practice this. When it comes to our desire to externally look good or to be, to look to to look good externally to be beautiful on the outside okay we got to always we got to we 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 we've got to examine our hearts and our minds brothers and sisters you got to understand listen there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good or to look nice nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that but when we have that desire, we want to make sure that externally we're, we're looking the part. We still, even then, even though there's nothing wrong with that, you got to understand that can be commandeered by the enemy or we can, if we're not, if we're not careful, we can go too far. And though on the outside or initially there's nothing wrong with it, it can easily become something where there's very much uh, something wrong with it. It can start out innocent, but but depending on our focus, depending on where our hearts are and our minds are, it can really become, so it can become a problem. And so when it comes to that, amen, brothers and sisters, we got to exercise caution. We got to exercise it. Means we got to constantly be, we got to constantly be looking and monitoring our hearts and our minds. Now, listen, that don't mean that, that God wants you to go around looking, you know, just, just looking any kind of way. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We, uh, no, that's not it. We just read the scripture in, in Jeremiah. God said, I clothed you. And God hooked it up. Their God didn't clothe nobody like a ragamuffin. That ain't what he did. He gave them something that looked nice. So God does, is, so looking nice is not the problem. Now, remember, now he didn't give nobody no makeup. He did not give anybody any of that. So don't start adding that stuff to it. We, we stand right with the scripture. Amen. But God gave garments and all of these and all of these different things initially. So we see, and if God was the one giving it, God didn't have a problem with that. Now, eventually God would start to have a problem with it. Why? Because that heart got corrupted. Because that mindset got corrupted. Because the, his people were going in the wrong direction. And remember, the female gender represented not just, it was not just women in and of themselves, but it represented the human family or God's family, okay? The, the, the human family that was associated with God. So in other words, it represented God's people, okay? So, so we, we, and these are things that we have to understand. Now, why, why, why is this? Why we got to exercise this, this caution? Why, why is all of this necessary? Well, because number one, like so many other types of sin, pride and lust can subtly creep in. Amen. It can subtly creep in like so many other sins. See, many sins, brothers and sisters, they don't come in kicking the door down. That's where people get messed up. 
And this is also why some people don't know that they in sin, but they in sin all day long. This, I mean, they are in sin all day long, but they cannot see, but they did not see when they crossed over from righteousness to unrighteousness. They never saw the transition between clean and unclean. They didn't see it. They missed all of the road signs along the way. And I'm going to ask somebody this morning, are you missing the road signs? Are you crossing over into the lane that you should not be in? Are you veering off the road of the, that God has put you on? And, and now you're beginning to <clears throat> swerve and to sway into oncoming traffic of life. Are you going in the wrong direction? You started out going the way that you were supposed to. You began on a journey in the area and in the right lane, but somewhere along the lines, you stopped speeding, paying attention. You started mashing down on the gas too much. And before you knew it, you were moving at unsafe speeds and you can no longer begin to control the vehicle of life that you were in that were is your life and have you begun to swerve have you begun to lose control like so many sins pride and lust brothers and sisters unawares and subtly they'll creep in into our hearts and they'll creep in to our mind. See, they don't come in. They don't come in kicking the door in. They don't come in with a big ruckus. They don't come in with a big crash and bang. No, 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 no. That pride and that that lust. Those things come in subtly. Those things. It's a slow burn. It's a it's a little of paying attention to this. And then that turns into a little more paying attention to it. And that turns into a little more paying attention to, and then it progresses into a lot of attention. And before you know it, you caught up, you caught up. And, and now all of a sudden that pride and that lust, along with other types of sin, they creep in to our hearts and they creep into our mind. You see what we do brothers and sisters on the outside is a reflection many times of the state of mind of what goes on on the inside, amen. Many times it's a reflection. For those of you who have access to the uh, intertestamental books or the deuterocanonical books in the book of Sarah or the book of Ecclesiasticus, not Ecclesiastes, the word of God says this, he that wanteth understanding, that means lacketh understanding, will think upon vain things, that's empty things, purposeless things, things that have no value. He that wanteth understanding will think upon vain things and a foolish man erring imagineth follies. Glory to God, the word of God. I'm telling you, the word of God is serious. Telling you that that person who don't have to understand it, who focuses on the empty things, the stuff that don't matter and all this other kind, who, who has no understanding, who doesn't, who, who is absent-minded when it comes to the will and to the way of God, that person, he says, that person gonna, will think on vain things. When you don't have an understanding of what God says, when you don't have an understanding of what God's will is, when you totally lack this, the Bible says you're going to think on things that have no value. Your mind is going to be caught up on the things that serve no purpose. And the Bible says, and a foolish man erring, that person who's making those mistakes, 
Say he imagined it follies. So that means you, you're coming up with stuff. You're coming up with things you're going to imagine or entertain things to do that are contrary or go against God. That's what that word is saying. Proverbs 23, 7 says it this way. For he, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. See, what we do on the outside is a reflection of what's on the inside. <laughs> that word of God just said it. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's the way you think. It's what your mind is on. Whatever you focus on, brothers and sisters, whatever I focus on or I allow to be my focus, it's not going to be long before that thing starts to consume me. And before I know it, I'm going to start coming up with stuff that justify that stuff. Even though, according to scripture, it's not justified. See, to avoid all of this, that's why I love the word of God. And to get into sidestep these pitfalls and all that kind of stuff, I love it because God outlined some, some things, some preventative measures for us, okay, that he wants us to take advantage of. Number one, God says this, I want you to what? Guard your heart. Proverbs 4, 23, Bible says this, keep thy heart, what? With all diligence. That means put it, get everything, put it, put it, put, put everything you got into it. Everything, put out every ounce of energy. Be, you don't leave any stone unturned. Don't, don't leave anything covered. Uh-uh, not at all. God says, I want you to cross every T. I want you to dot every I. I want you to cover every base. He said, keep thy heart with all diligence. He said, everything you got, I want you to put it in there when it comes to keeping your heart. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. Meaning that wherever your mind is, whatever your heart is on, man, and I'm going to make this, I want to make this plain to you. Whatever got hooks into your heart, whatever that thing is that you focused on so much that now it has grabbed hold of you. Now it has tackled you and now it has locked down your heart and everything, whatever that thing is that got a hold of your heart, it is going to adjust and reconfigure the way you live. You might have been walking the right way at first, but I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, that if your mind is on the thing that is wrong and contrary to the word of God, it ain't going to be long before you transition into walking holy, into walking unholy. Amen. I'm telling you. Whatever it is that got your heart, whatever it is that got your mind and all of this kind of stuff, whatever that thing is, you got to keep your heart with all diligence. You got to put every effort. You got to fight to the very end. I'm telling you, listen, brothers and sisters, you got to be willing to go down to the final count. You got to go to the last round when it comes to your mind. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence. You can't take a day off from keeping your mind straight and keeping your mind focused and doing everything that you can. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, having done all to stand, stand therefore, stand therefore. But when? After you've done all that you can. After you've done everything that you can, that's when you're supposed to stand. That's when I can stand. That's when I can really put on that armor of God. That's Ephesians 
chapter 6. Start at verse 11. You can finish it all the way through 17. Go all the way through that. Listen, you have got to do everything that you can to stand. The Bible says guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Many of us today are messed up. You know why? Because we want God to do what he told you and I to do. And I'm here to tell you right now, God is not getting ready to do what he gave you power to do. God is not getting ready to do what he's given you permission to do. God said, guard your heart. And if God said, guard your heart, he wouldn't have told you to do it if it was not possible. You have got to get a hold and a handle on the way that you think. Amen. Amen. You have got to deal with the Bible says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God has given you the power and me the power and the ability to take control of your mind. He says, you got to guard your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. In other words, whatever your mind is focused on, whatever you allow your mind to focus on, primarily it's, gonna not, it's not going to be long before that's what you begin to live out. Amen. The other thing he says is that you got to keep your mind. Amen. Philippians 4. Look at verse 7 through verse 9. Love God's word. I, don't you just love God? God will outline the problem, but he don't leave you hanging. No, no, not our God. He don't leave you hanging. God will show you what the problem is. God will tell you where the problem point is. God will tell you where you're getting ready to run into problems and where the God God will show you where the pitfalls are. God will show you where the snares are set up. God will show you all of these things and God will let you know ahead of time that, that, listen, that, that there's a roadblock up here. There's a snare over there. There's a stronghold just up the way. God will show you all of those things ahead of time. But then at the same time, God will give you what you need to avoid. And it's a wonder why so many of us are caught up in so much ridiculousness. Because it's not because we walked into it absentmindedly. We walk into it because of negligence. Because when we saw the signs, we would not adhere. We would not acknowledge the sign. And more often than not, brothers and sisters, we are caught up in the most ridiculous, the most heinous, the most despicable, the most dirty, the most nasty things imaginable. Why? Not because it took us by surprise or the devil blindsided us. No, but because we wouldn't guard our hearts. Because we decided that, you know what, I can dance with the devil and I can still waltz with God. Let me tell you something. You can't dance with God and dance with the devil. God not come and go. Listen, I'm telling you something. God not going to meet you on the dance floor. You're going to do that number by yourself. You and the devil. You and the devil. God is not getting ready to stand and getting ready to partner with somebody that clearly wants to do the devil's bidding. And you got to understand that if you are not doing God's bidding, you are doing the devil's bidding. Listen, you can't serve two masters. You're going to either love one or hate the other, but you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't have it all. This world wants you to think that the world is your oyster. The world is not your oyster. The world, listen, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And they that dwell therein, it belong to God. You can't have it all. So you got to choose. Either you're going to choose this world or you're going to choose God. Now, I want to tell somebody, I want to give you some incentive to choose God. God has already chosen you. Oh, I love it this morning. God has already chosen you, and he's just waiting on you to choose him. When am I 
going to get to the business of choosing God. Bible says, what shall I render unto God for all his benefits unto me? I will take the cup of salvation. I will pay my vows. Listen, you brothers and sisters, how long is it going to be before you start choosing God? God went to a cross for you because he was choosing you. They whipped him and they beat him and they bruised him. Why? Because he was choosing you. They mocked him and they spit on him and they treated, they lied on him. Why? Because he was choosing you. So when are you going to get to the business of choosing him? How long are you going to ask God to show me your good faith? What more does God have to do to show you that he loves you and that he cares for you and that the way you're living is not what he designed for you? How long is that going to be? How long are you going to sit there? How long are you going to be halted between two opinions? How long are you going to sit there choosing between God and the world when God has been so good and so kind to you? It was God that spared your life. It was God that stepped in. It was God that said not so. When you were on your way out, God was the one who stayed his hand. When that death angel was on his way to pick you up, God said, no, I'm giving him one more chance. I'm giving him one more chance. How dare you and I ask God to stay on this, this ridiculous conveyor belt where he got to prove himself. God is God all by himself. He ain't got to prove nothing to nobody. Either you want this salvation or you don't. But if you want this salvation, I'd be remiss if I don't tell you how to get it. You got to repent of your sins. You got to be water baptized in the name of Jesus. Don't do it in his titles. They were never done like that. Do it in his name. Don't get sprinkled. Get submerged in that water. Make sure that preacher says in the name of Jesus Christ or in the name of the Lord Jesus. Don't take nothing any other sort of way. You got to allow God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And when you get that Holy Ghost, I don't care what nobody said. You're not going to wonder whether you got the Holy Ghost. You will speak with other tongues in a language that God did, that nobody taught you, but a language that God himself gave you. Amen. You look for the genuine article. The same thing that you see happen in the book of Acts, brothers and sisters, don't you, listen, don't you settle for some knockoff salvation. You make sure that your salvation conforms to what the Bible said because the same way he was doing it back then, that's the same way he's doing it right now. That don't change. That don't change. That does not change. That will never change. So he says, guard your heart. And then he says, keep your mind. And in Philippians 4, 7, through nine says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep, look at that, your hearts and minds. How's he going to do it? Through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Look at it. He's going to give you peace. That, that keeps your heart and mind. See, when you're restless, when you are, when you are not content, when there's no peace, then there is instability. And when there is instability, the heart and the mind begin to wander. And he says, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. What will it do? It shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Not through your own strength. Not by your own power. Not by your own might. But through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are 
of good report if there be any virtue or value. In other words, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Do. He said, do that. You hear what the Bible he said? Do that. And the God of peace shall be with you. God is so concerned about it that he tells you what to think on. He tells you and I what to focus on. He tells you and I what to put our gaze upon. And he says, whatsoever things are honest, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are of good report. He said, if there's any virtue in it, if there's any praise in it, think on those things. And I got to ask you today, what are you thinking about? Many of us are struggling because you will not discipline your own mind. You are choosing to think on the things that are unprofitable. Many of you can't get over the hurt that somebody has done to you. Because to you, it's just like yesterday. You can't even get to the business of walking into in forgiveness. Why? Because you won't let yesterday go. You won't let yesterday go. You won't let the error that somebody made, you won't let it go. You won't forget. You won't walk past it. Brothers and sisters, when somebody does you wrong and mistreats you, that don't mean that you don't take lessons learned from it. That does not mean that you don't become more skillful and more wise with how to deal with that person. But it does absolutely mean that you cannot harbor and hold on to that thing, to that heart of unforgiveness. Know ye not that if you don't forgive, God ain't going to forgive you. So anybody listening to this, harboring unforgiveness, talking about, I'm going to heaven. You ain't going nowhere. You're not on your way to heaven, not at all. Heaven is a place for people who have walked and walk in forgiveness. Heaven is a place for people who have been forgiven. I hope you hear that. Heaven is a place for the forgiven. And if you are unwilling to forgive, if you are unwilling to walk in forgiveness, then heaven is not a place for you. I'm sorry to say that, but that's just the way it is. You're not going to heaven as long as you hold in a grudge. You're not going to heaven with prejudice. You're not going to heaven with pride and lust. You ain't going to heaven with adultery. You ain't going to heaven with fornication. You ain't going to heaven telling all those lies. You're not going to heaven. You're not making it. Uh-uh. The heaven not for you. 
That stuff got to be forgiven. And you cannot have that stuff forgiven of you all the while you won't forgive somebody else. No, nope, it won't work that way. It will not work that way. And then you have Galatians 5, 16 through 21. Because remember, I said God has put in preventative measures that he wants us to make use of. And number one, we said was guard your heart. Number two was keeping your mind. But that third one is, guess what? It's walking in the spirit. It's walking in the spirit. It says this, this I say then, walk in the spirit and guess what? You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh-oh, there's that word lust. For the flesh lusted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one, the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. They make you unstable. They make it so that you struggle. So that you have problems doing the right thing. As long as you have that stuff in place. Look at verse 18. But if ye be led by of the spirit, glory to God, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, that's that extreme lust, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murdering, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like of the which I tell you, therefore, as I have told you in times past, Paul said, I'm repeating it. He said, I told you before, but I'm gonna tell you again, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You're not getting in with that. You're not gonna slide in. You're not going to skate in. You're not going to somehow appear in. Uh-uh. Jesus said, be faithful unto death. That means, brothers and sisters, as a soldier, you got to hold the line. Ain't no retreating. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Ain't no retreating. When you need rest, you don't have to run and get rest. God will bring rest to you because he is rest. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You can't get in with that. You got to be careful when it comes to beauty. We got to be careful with what we focus on because it can lead us down the wrong path. But amen that God has put some preventative measures in place. Glory to God. And if we will follow those things, if we will walk in those things, we will be able to sidestep those pitfalls. Wow.